today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's, uh, well, fight night, I guess, for all intents and purposes. The first presidential debate goes tonight in Cleveland uh, between U.S. President Donald Trump and his Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. Uh, it could be a pivotal moment, obviously, in the election. Uh, this is an election year like no other. Sagar Morgani sets the scene for us. With the nation facing multiple crises, health, political, racial, the debate takes on more importance. The virus pandemic's upended normal campaigning. But just how much importance? Amid all the tumult, the race has stayed largely unchanged since Joe Biden seized the Democratic nomination. He holds a significant lead in national polls, and there are comparatively few undecided voters left, meaning President Trump has fewer than five weeks to change the narrative. Sagar Magani, Washington. So what's going to happen in this very pivotal debate tonight? Uh, let's bring Aaron Cowlin to the conversation, director of debate at the University of Michigan and editor and co-author of Debating the Donald. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you back on the program today. Well, it's great to be back. Who, as, as we look at the two combatants here tonight, uh, and we've all heard the preamble and the pregame show, and there's like this is like a prize fight, obviously, because, you know, you've got the trash talk that's going on between the two of them here, too. Uh when you, when you look at the assessment here, Aaron, uh, are, are people going to overestimate Joe Biden's percent, per, per, uh, performance here tonight, underestimate Trump's? What, what are the expectations for both sides? Yeah, the expectations going in are kind of the reverse from 2016. Then mm-hmm. um, everyone kind of thought that Hillary Clinton would win and the three debates, and she largely did, uh, the first one being the best. But this time, uh, the expectations are reversed, and the, the polling that we have shows that People believe that President Trump is going to prevail in the debates, um, especially independent voters. And that's maybe because you know, he had very successful debates in, in the JP primary. He's the incumbent president. Um, but those expectations are, are tough uh, heading into a debate because that allows his opponent, Joe Biden, to just have you know, deliver an average performance. Not much is thought of him. Uh, president Trump has said negative things about him. So if he you know, surprises and you know, just uh, really just doesn't make a mistake and, and it's average, then you know, he could be deemed the winner of the debate uh, because of that expectation game, and and that's tough. Uh, you know, a tough place for President Trump to be in, as your introduction mentioned, behind in the national polls and the swing state polls, and he really needs to do something to to shake up the race. Whereas uh, Joe Biden can kind of be on the defensive and you know wouldn't mind a draw or things being like they are uh, just going into the debates. Because we saw the reverse of that, I guess, a year or so ago during the Democratic debates when there were, what, about 25 people, I guess, up on the stage. Uh, the expectation was high for Joe Biden. He didn't really meet that expectation, and uh, it took him a while to recover from that. It did. He, I'd say his, his performance in the primary debates were wildly inconsistent. Uh, there were 11 of them, and he came in as the front runner. Um, you know, he was the vice president for eight years. He um, had run for president previously and done well in the debates there. He debated Sarah Palin and Paul Ryan as vice president uh, in those vice presidential debates, and the reviews there were pretty solid. And then immediately off the bat, the first debate in June of 2019 in Miami, um, you know, Biden really struggled, and it showed that he hadn't debated for a long time. Ironically, his running mate, Kamala Harris, was the one that wounded him the most, and then that really took him down a peg. Um, uh, he did rebound the next debate. Uh, that was in Detroit in July. Uh, but for those other uh, nine debates, uh, pretty inconsistent. The highlights probably being he had a good, pretty good performance in South Carolina. And then he ended on a positive note. He had a one-on-one debate against Bernie Sanders, who's very formidable, uh, in March of, of 2020. Uh, just the two of them in a television studio in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. because of coronavirus. There's no audience. And there wasn't much expectation there. Uh, people thought that 
Sanders could use that to get back in the race. And really, um, Biden ended the race with, with a very strong performance then. And uh, I think that debate, since it was just in March and without a, a big audience, will benefit Biden, um, given the unique circumstances for tonight's debate in Cleveland, an audience of maybe 75 to 80. Um, you know, he had that one-on-one debate. President Trump hasn't debated in over four years. And so I think the Biden team is hoping that uh, he'll recreate some of that magic from March from the last time that Joe Biden debated. How important is it for Biden to stay on message today? I mean, he's been fairly consistent through the, the, what has been the campaign so far anyway, uh, talking about health care, obviously, and talking about COVID, uh, and, and some talk about social de- justice, of course, about what's going on in the streets and some of the uh, protests that are happening there. Uh, there's so much more stuff here, and it's got to be tempting for start talking about tax returns and a number of other things that have come up. Uh, I know Biden's also referenced uh, some of the comments that uh, Trump is alleged to have made about uh, the military as well. But do you do you stay laser focused in a debate like this, or, or do you just is it just all over the place? Yeah, take whatever's coming in. I think President Trump would prefer the debate be all over the place, uh, while Joe Biden um, would like some you know more narrow and laser focused, just given you know the stakes and and where the two are coming into this debate. Uh, but yes, as you mentioned, uh, you could talk about an infinite amount of things. Luckily, um, you know, we have the six topics. They're going to be 15 minutes each. And certainly there's, I'm sure we'll still hear about the tax returns just because it's been such a big story in the last few days. I do think Biden will talk about those military comments. But for the most part, yes, uh, Biden should stick to larger themes. And he has been pretty disciplined on the campaign trail about that. Um, Amy Coney Barrett was just formally nominated by President Trump on Saturday for the Supreme Court. And you could attack her in, uh, you know, in her appointment from a variety of different ways. But Biden has been you know, laser focused on health care, the Affordable Care Act, uh, given its connection to um, Obama's presidency and now its popularity in the United States and really just hammered on that message. And the same thing in the debate. He, he should have some things that should be favorable to him. I think coronavirus given the poor handling of the president, um, you know, will be one and kind of uh, how he would handle it differently, especially as we get into a vaccine and how that be distributed. Um, The issue of uh, racial justice and racial relations. Uh, Polls show that people trust him more. They view him as kind of a healing figure. He was the vice president for America's first African-American president. And so, yes, those take those topics that are should be beneficial to him and make sure to to spend uh, the time and really go there as opposed to trying to be chased, you know, all over the face by all over the place by President Trump. And he has a habit of doing that. He'll try to change the, the subject very quickly, ask questions directly to you. Um, but he really needs to stay above the fray, not take the bait and just try to be, you know, he has a game plan and just make sure that he executes that as opposed to doing an audible. Um, if he's attacked, if his son's attacked, something like that. I know there's temptation to, you know, kind of engage in that directly, um, but that could get him off his game. And that's really what President Trump is hoping and that he would make a mistake, uh, and then you know people have question about you know whether his stamina, whether uh, Joe Biden would be fit in order to be president for the next four years. It's interesting how the the Biden campaign has kind of pivoted about the Supreme Court nomination. Uh, both uh, Speaker Pelosi and of course Chuck Schumer, the the, the Democratic lead in the Senate, uh, focused on process. You know they shouldn't be doing this; they should wait, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like that happened in the last time with Obama. The Biden campaign, again, you're right, is is nailing it. But well, you're going to lose your health care. And uh, Roe versus Wade is being threatened now, too, uh, turning them into issues that probably more people could relate to. I mean, if you start going too deeply into process in politics, you, you lose a lot of people because that's kind of inside baseball stuff. But they, they, they really seem to have gone down to the elementary elements of this. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, and, and, yeah, there's 
you know, obviously the same thing kind of happened um, in 2016 when, when Antonin Scalia died and there was, uh, you know, President Obama had uh, wanted to appoint Merrick Garland, but the Republicans wouldn't let him and said, you know, you have to wait to see who wins the election. And, and so there's a million different processes you could make about whether the vote should happen before or after the election in the lame duck. But the thing, you know, for people don't vote on things like that, you know, whether politicians are being hypocritical, mm-hmm. um, that, that happens all the time and that's common in politics. But if, um, you know, this person is placed on the bench and this happens before the election, there's a very important Supreme Court case, oral arguments happening the week after the election on uh, the Affordable Care Act. Previous decisions have been 5-4, and so you know, she could be the swing vote. And if that happens, you know, 20 million people could lose their health care. And things like that, you know, kind of uh, issues that really affect the lives of people and showing how that happens, um, you know, economics uh, also uh, is a big thing uh, that is much more persuasive than just you know though this person said one thing and now four years later there's a different story and uh, abortion is another uh, thing you know she's very uh, Coney Barrett's very conservative and and Robert Wade also um, she could be the swing vote in that and you know opinion polls in, in the United States show that about you know two thirds or so of the public think that in some cases abortion should be legal and uh, but historically obviously it's a more divisive issue but uh, yes the two things healthcare. Uh, women's health, reproductive health, uh, those are things that people do vote on um, because they're really top issues. And so the more he stresses those, the more mileage out of some of those remaining few undecided voters uh, who tune into the debate tonight uh, could uh, could really see and then uh, really cement their votes. Aaron, what role is the moderator going to play tonight? It's Chris Wallace, of course, from Fox News, uh, who has a propensity, obviously, for fact-checking and for going after people that make incorrect statements. He's one of the uh, the best political interviewers uh, that we've seen in, in a long, long time. Uh, does he pull in his horns and just beat the moderator tonight, or is, is is he going to do that sort of thing and make sure that these guys stay on online? It's a tough job, and uh, yeah. yes, so he was – the only moderator selected from 2016, he did the Las Vegas debate to return. And so that shows you, I think, the commission on presidential debates, the confidence they have in him. As you mentioned, he's considered you know, very um, neutral and, and fair. Um, he had uh, President Trump on his program in July. That was a, a controversial interview that made a mm-hmm. lot of news. And so President Trump, through the, his last debate in 16 in this recent interview, is going has a lot of experience with him. Um, but... There's in the United States now. The big discussion is oh, how much fact-checking should moderators do, and what's Chris Wallace to do? And it does seem like, at least with um, you know, there was an interview with the uh, co-chair of the Commission on Presidential Debates. They feel very strongly that the role of the moderator is not to to fact-check because uh, we've seen that backfire a few times. Candy Crowley in 2012 uh, between a debate between President Obama and Mitt Romney uh, kind of interjected herself and maybe got it wrong and took a lot of criticism uh, for interrupting uh, the two candidates then. Lester Holt did in the New York debate in September 2016. He kind of fact-checked President Trump and uh, on Iraq and what his position was uh, before the uh, the invasion of Iraq, and so the and he kind of became part of the story there. Uh, and so I think Chris Wallace is is not going to fact-check in real time. He's going to leave that to the professional people after the debate. Um, not probably correct the candidates and leave that to the two candidates to do that. They're coming prepared with their own facts, but will try to. Um, make sure the debate stays on task. That's the reason he uh, had the six questions in advance, and he wants to make sure people have as much information as possible. I think last time he said he was not going to be a potted plant. And so um, if they're veering off topic, uh, not answering his questions, he's certainly going to point that out uh, so that people realize it. 
but he doesn't want to be the story. He want to, wants to leave that to two candidates and kind of fade to the back. Aaron, what about lasting impressions? You're right. I mean, the pundits are going to, you know, rehash this thing for time immemorial after the debate. But you mentioned the uh, the Obama-Romney debates. In the first of that series, Obama stumbled, did not perform at all well. Uh, and people were wondering, oh, you know, what's, what's going on? He recovered, obviously, and did much better in the subsequent two debates. Uh, so Joe Biden's ahead by 10 points right now. Can he afford a stumble? He he can. I mean, he does have a margin, but... Um you know, it depends on how he stumbles. You know, if it's um, something where he has a major gap, a memory, a major memory lapse, um, and that's that then could become a narrative about, oh, you know, does mm-hmm. he have the health problems? Is he suited? You know, seventy-seven, too old to be president? Um, does this reinforce some of the things we've seen with videos and other gaps? So, if it's an issue like that that has to do with kind of you know health or competency, um, ability to you know, do the job. Then it's not just something a mistake that happens. It then you know becomes the focus after the debate in the days and weeks uh, and gets into the other debates. But if it's just something else, you know maybe has the you know just a, a fact wrong or kind of tells an embellishment, uh, something like that. Then I think you know given his large lead, he can certainly withstand that. But but no, your point is excellent. That last time Hillary Clinton. Her first debate was probably the best. I mean, the, the, the race was headed, was tied in 2016 coming in the first debate. And then she had, she had a pretty big uh, lead and didn't do as well in the last two debates. But after they were all over, maybe had like a seven point or so lead. And then uh, the Comey letter happened on October 28th uh, before the election. And that everything kind of took that narrative. And this time, you know, depending at the end of the debates, you could have uh, a good performance, a poor performance. But there's all these other intervening um, events. Uh, October surprises. I mean, we just had a September surprise, really, with the death of Richard Ginsburg. But other things that could happen that could, um, you know, erase what happened on that debate stage. But that's why we have three debates, because if you have a poor one, then you can rebound. As you mentioned, um, President Obama had a terrible first debate against Mitt Romney. That's kind of the incumbent jinx. They historically have bad first debates. But then he won the, the last two debates, I thought, decisively and, and ended up winning the election. And uh, ironically, it was Joe Biden that had the vice presidential debate after that Denver debate in 2012, and his uh, victory over Paul Ryan in that debate really gave momentum for President Obama in his last two debates. So it is out of three, although the first debate is always most important and always the most watched. Um, but you know, President Trump could have a really poor performance in the first debate because he hasn't debated in four years, but then has two more opportunities to try to finish on a high note. And this year, uh, the last debate, the time to the last debate in the election is less than. Uh, uh, last time, and so you know that kind of making sure you want to be peaking right towards the end as we get close to voting, and, and many people are already voting early because of coronavirus. Absolutely. Well, it matters in a big way tonight. We'll see what happens. Uh, Aaron, as always, thank you so much for your perspective on this. Greatly appreciated. Of course, anytime. Take care, Aaron Collicor, director of debate at University of Michigan, and co-author and editor of Debating the Donald. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.